Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Classified documents in my home to appoint a special counsel. Mass humanity coming across the border. A negotiation over the debt ceiling. And to stop reckless spending. Atmospheric rivers on the way. Extreme weather continued. A lot going on right now. Staying informed. It's, it's stuff that affects us. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. New week, new day, uh, holiday, MLK Day. For those of you who didn't have to work, hope you had a good day off. Uh, yeah, I, I accidentally talked to somebody over the weekend, and it's like, could we rearrange the MLK Day so it was like the end of January? I mean, you just get into the swing of things of getting back to work, trying to get some stuff done, and suddenly there's <laughs> another bump in the road. Uh, but uh, MLK Day, uh, it was an interesting day in the sense of what made the news related to MLK. Um, even some relatives of Martin Luther King, uh, some can of Coretta Scott King, came up and uh, were talking about the new unveiled sculpture up in Boston. And apparently some family members, if you're watching online, there it is. Some family members think it's atrocious. Ten million bucks they paid for this thing. So, now, there's, there's, that's how large it is. You can actually walk underneath it. Uh, it's called The Embrace. features two sets of arms holding each other. An artistic interpretation of a classic photo of Coretta and hubby Martin Luther King hugging when he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. Uh, the mainstream media, of course, has come out and said how wonderful it is. It was just beautiful. They were, t- you know, uh, one individual, uh, Coretta's cousin, told the New York Post that uh, they were told to say that. They had to say that. <laughs> but uh, it was an emperor has no clothes moment. Apparently, it, when. <laughs> It all hit the fan when a little boy came out and said, looking at it, and you got to look at it from the right angle. <laughs> I'm just reporting the news. Don't get upset with me. A little boy came out and said, that's a penis. <laughs> and apparently everyone says, yeah, it is. And every middle school trip that visited from here to eternity will say the same thing. <laughs> well, it's now been branded as the penis statue. <laughs> I, I, I don't ten uh, million bucks. I don't understand. Um, you know, whoever visits this thing without seeing a plaque that says what it is would have no idea what it is. Absolutely no idea. If you're gonna spend ten million bucks, why not just put a statue of of the kings embracing? I mean, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think? A, a, the, the, a, a genuine statue of the kings embracing. I, I would have think you could have done it for a whole lot less money than that. <laughs> And uh, people would have actually understood what it was. I mean, if you want to look at it as art, okay, but, uh, I mean, now, and again, if you weren't introduced that this was about the, the Martin Luther King and his wife, you just walked up to it, would you have any clue? No clue. None. <laughs> well, that's what a lot of family members said. Uh, you know what? You spend $10 million on a bronze statue without heads on it? Man, it's a joke, one of the cousins said. Wow. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I'd like to. I'm, I, I, I recall that image of them embracing, but I'm see if I can pull that up. Oh, I've I've, I've seen it. Yeah, and, here it is. Uh, right here, but um, it's it's 
okay, arms around each other, but that's about it. I, anyway, you can't make it up. Yeah. Out of the mouth of babes. It looks like a penis. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't understand. I, and I'm someone that really appreciates art, and I'm not being facetious here. I mean, I really, I mean, I love going to art galleries, and but I, I don't see this. I don't, I don't see it. No. no. <laughs> uh, also, because it was Martin Luther King Day, um, race baiter Al Shar- uh, uh, Donald, Donald Trump, Joe Biden um, went to race baiter Al Sharpton's National Action Network Martin Luther King Day breakfast. Uh, he got up there, had some microphone. By the way, yesterday he was down at uh, Raphael Warnock, the Ebenezer Church, where Martin Luther King mm-hmm. was pastor for Pandering, many years. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Are, are you going to compare Raphael Warnock to Martin Luther King? Well, certainly the parishioners. Uh, I guess you know he was. That was his job before he was senator. But uh, you know, unfortunately. But I'm saying that the, the the character of the man is yeah. Anyway, I just. But but, by the way, my Corvette's in a lock garage. Okay, <laughs> that makes a big difference, Joe. But you know, did you listen to the speech, or do you have part the, of it, or the, from today? Uh, the, the, the well, yesterday to uh, I, I did not listen to the Ebenezer Church speech, but it's probably the same. I mean, it was it was a political speech. I heard enough of that to know it was a political <laughs> well, speech. Well, what's, what's the bad? What I thought was so bad about it was that <clears throat> I, I think. Any objective person would acknowledge that there's absolutely no way Joe Biden writes any of his speeches. Because, I mean, he's cognitively not yeah. has the ability to do He so. can't read them, let alone write but, them. But to me, someone, and, and, and you, he had a couple of moments when he went off script and did his normal, you know, doofus lies and just said dumb things. But most of he stayed on, on the prepared speech. And what was amazing about it is the fact that someone wrote that speech. Someone wrote that device yeah, speech. Had to actually sit down and, and think it through. And that know. speech was written as if in America, in race in America, and the opportunities for blacks in America, that we're in 1963 instead of 2023. Yeah. And that is absolutely horse hockey. Excuse me. But Well, not that you cleaned it up pretty well. But it's just another... Just another issue of the Democrats trying to divide people and yeah. and to make that day to make that day about politics was just typical Joe Biden, typical Democrat Party. Yep. So um that was yesterday. Today he did more of the same. He was again at Race Bader Al Sharpton's National Action uh, Martin Luther King Day breakfast. <laughs> No word on whether Al's still wanted by the uh, IRS. He's or not. made a career off of race baiting. Oh yeah. Oh, he's he's become very wealthy. And uh, congratulations, Al. If you'd actually worked so hard, as hard as you, well, you haven't worked that hard because everybody's just sort of handed it to you. Uh, first thing, Joe Biden is, gets up, gets the microphone, finds out that Martin Luther King III, his wife, um. Arndra, uh, Arndra, is that how you pronounce it? A-R-N-D-R-A. Um, note to President, if you are going to sing happy birthday in front of hundreds of people, it's probably a good idea to know the name of the person you're singing to. A response to it all is that... That's not it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's our intelligent gentleman from Georgia. Hank Johnson, Hank Johnson. From last week. <laughs> uh, you don't have the uh, birthday quote in there? All right. Arndria. 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 
Anyway, um, well, give me the heads up when you get. So he has a rocky start um, to his uh, musical debut, um, and uh, he also went into his whispering routine to defend uh, his aggressive efforts to increase the number of IRS agents. Um, he also led into, uh, laid into the Republicans, who uh, now are in the House uh, majority, and uh, apparently uh, he mocked them because they keep saying that uh, we are uh, going to end up having to default on international debt, that Joe keeps making the deficit larger and larger and larger. Um, so he, he then went into his whispering uh, mode again and talked about how under his leadership, we have lowered the budget over the last two years. Two years ago, we lowered it, and last year we lowered it by even more. And uh, I'm not sure what he's talking about. After signing a $1.7 trillion omnibus budget a week or a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas, uh, that was shoved through, 4,000 pages shoved through, and he's bragging about how the budget is improving. Now, Technically, technically, and these guys always try to have a technical truth attached to it, Biden was apparently referring to a decline in the budget deficit from $3.1 trillion in fiscal year 2020 to 2.7 in 2021, followed by another decrease to a $1.4 trillion fiscal in 2022. And, of course, this last one was $1.7 uh, however, he never mentioned the fact that the deficit reduction followed stimulus packages greenlit by lawmakers in reaction to the lockdown-induced recession, the most recent $1.4 billion budget prior to the omnibus budget just from last month, uh, exceeded shortfalls recorded in the years before the lockdowns. Contrary to his claim that hundreds of billions will be removed from the deficit over the next decade, which he, he went on to say that you know over the next coming years, You'll, you'll see more and more deficit reduction. So, anyway, uh, while I was bloviating, <coughs> Clark Clark got the happy birthday. Here's Happy Birthday by Joe Biden. Happy birthday to you. Oh, that's good. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and now Clark and, and put in the sound effects, but he was literally happy birthday, dear. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a drunk guy at karaoke night. Oh yes, that's exactly what I thought. I thought this guy sounds like he's drunk. Too drunk, too drunk to read the words off the screen at karaoke night, and he just says, you know, uh, what happened. <laughs> Do you have that other quote? Do you have that other quote talking about the deficit? All right, here, here's, here's him talking about the Republicans and the deficit. We're going to talk about big spending Democrats again? Guess what? I reduced the deficit last year $350 billion. And this year, federal deficit is down $1 trillion plus. Hear me. That's a fact. And there's going to be hundreds of billions reduced over the next decade. But so what? These guys are the fiscally, you know, the fiscally demented. I think they don't. Wow. They don't quite get it. Wow. 
demented. How I think that's called irony. Fiscally demented. Um, the Government Accountability Office concluded that fiscal year 2021 budget deficit was the second largest in history, while the previous deficit was the largest. So that's what he's bragging about. I mean, it's like him bragging about, uh, you know, inflation is down because it's down a tenth of 1% last month from, you know, the highest it's been in 40 years the month before, and that's a victory. These historically large deficits were due primarily to the economic disruptions caused by COVID. Um, the Bipartisan Policy, Policy Center also noted a report that fiscal year 2023 deficit would be impacted by the bipartisan omnibus spending bill, which increased discretionary, discretionary spending by approximately 10%. Efforts from the Federal Reserve to decrease inflationary pressure are also expected to widen at the, de um, the deficit as rates increase. So, yeah, we're uh, it's just getting worse and worse. I was telling Benny, my wife and I happened to see the film over the weekend, Too Big to Fail, which that came out probably, what, in 2012, uh, 2012 2014, maybe somewhere mm, in there? Fiscal crisis was 8, 2008, nine, so, yeah, yeah, 11 yeah, or 12, yeah. probably. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have a chance to see that film, um, you know, I wouldn't say it was a blockbuster, but it's a very interesting film, and it very much goes back to Lehman Brothers and uh, AIG and how the how the government bailed them out. And as I was watching that film, here we are in 2022, 2023. I'm thinking to myself, um, wow, all that was was a huge Band-Aid on a huge problem. And uh, we've got a guy in the White House that has no idea what responsibility means. And uh, our physical responsibility certainly doesn't know that. Uh, it, and I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but uh, it's only a matter of time. Well, I am. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Yeah. I mean... We, you know, we have been, we've had him on the show at least a couple of three times. David Walker, former mm -hmm. Comptroller General of the United States. Probably time to get him back on again with all yeah. this this stuff. But you know, most uh, nonpartisan experts have said for years that was our biggest risk in America was out of control spending. Not that in recent years Republicans can can. Brag, brag, yeah, and pump exactly. the chest about being fiscal hawks or anything, but the Democrats never think it's enough spending, and and the pro the problem is, you know, they continue to use this narrative to say that you know corporate America and and wealthy Americans, you know, getting all these tax breaks, that's what's driving the deficit. That's crazy. Under the Trump tax plan, um, you know, when the, when the taxes were cut and 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 things. Um, you know, really biggest cut in years, you had a dramatic increase uh, in the growth in America in the, in the economy, GDP, from a from a low of Obama era of like you know we were getting normal to one percent GDP, and you know Trump's basically doubled that two and a half three percent, a little bit over three percent, and then but to counter that argument, you can say, well, okay, you're saying we're, we're added to the deficits by giving these tax cuts. There was record levels in the Treasury from, from, right, tax, from tax cuts. Because if you give the, the private sector the opportunity to spend the money versus government spending the money, the economic growth is going to be much greater. I mean, it it's yep. so... Well, just because the private sector has to pay their bills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that or they go bankrupt. And and on that subject, I heard Janet Yellen this weekend talk about, you know, we have the debt ceiling limit argument coming up right. again. It's going to have to right. be. And, well, you know, it says America has, you know, got to be able to meet their obligations. Well, first of all, that statement is, is a lie. 
United States Constitution, we can't default on our debt. No, what America has to do is the Congress has to say, you know what, we've got debts to pay, so we're going to have to cut some of this runaway yeah. pork. Yeah. That's what yeah. we've got to cut. But but America has to honor their debt obligations, and they keep saying that over and over again, just another reason just to continue and throw fuel on the runaway spending. But, again, if you go back to this omnibus bill from last month, I mean, um, again, there's – which I don't know how they can do this after the Dobbs decision, but there's all kinds of money in there to pay for veterans' abortions, um, including travel. Um, there's the uh, $11 million in there, which I know, and people say, well, it's only 11, uh, only, only 11 million out of uh, 1.7 trillion, so what's the big <clears throat> deal? But $11 million for LGBTQ advocacy at home, a mandate for State Department to engage in LGBT advocacy on a global scale. So we're going to take... Remember when when um, the liberals used to say you can't ship our morals overseas? Well, that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing now. Only we're shipping our immorals overseas. You, you know what? A lot of places overseas don't want it. Don't want our morals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, I, who, who would think that France is uh, starting to be a little bit have a little bit more morals than we do? Well, in terms of abortion, we, yeah, we are they, one of the worst. We absolutely. Yeah. But there's ten billion in there for EPA, uh, you know, all kinds of monies for the National Labor Relations Board to help out the unions. Uh, spending money without, and this this relates to uh, some of the uh, talk that uh, uh, Biden had at his uh, um, Al Sharpton Day Festival today. Um, San Francisco has got a reparations board. It's called the San Francisco African American Reparations Advisory Committee. Now, when you hear this story, you've got to say to yourself, these people, and I, I'm fully convinced, you know, that, and, and Republicans had got to get it through their thick skull, that these people aren't incompetent. These people have a goal of destroying the United States. They do. That's, That's their goal. Their goal. They, they don't want this. I mean, it used to be. Well, we all want the same thing, just with different ways of getting there. No, we don't. There, there is an ideological chasm between what conservatives want and what uh, what progressives want. And, and that's that's who's controlling the Democrat Party now. Um, and and you know, I'm not saying that most of the Democrat politicians and elected leaders really want to really destroy America, but they don't want to give up the dough. They don't want to give up the money that's coming to them from people that I think want to destroy America, like namely George Soros and many yeah, others. Yeah, and that's, yeah. and that's oh, running. there's some useful idiots in there. Oh, yeah. but, but the ones that are calling those shots are very much want to destroy America. In San Francisco, this reparations committee, have basically the short version of the story is, uh, if you want to be eligible to receive reparations, the applicant must be 18 years old, have identified as black or African-American on public documents for 10 years. Not not that you are, but you've identified as. <laughs> Lord. They must also prove uh, at least two of eight additional criteria, choosing from a list that includes born in San Francisco between 1940 and 1996, Proof of residency in San Francisco for at least 13 years, uh, and or personally or direct descendant of someone incarcerated by the failed war on drugs. So if you are any one of those things, you can you can be eligible. Did you hear how much they want to give you? How much? Five million dollars each. 
And who's going to pay for this? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I guess the poor suckers in San Francisco. It's a San Francisco City committee. Where are they going to get the money? And, and the thing about, you know, talking about the failed war on drugs, well, look, look at San Francisco's ideas. And I hadn't been to San Francisco, but I've had friends that's been out there recently and seen pictures. And it is an absolute cesspool yeah. of drug use. Yep. yep. And... To the point of ruining a beautiful city. I mean, it's really a beautiful place, but who in the hell wants to go there yeah. and have people shooting up heroin everywhere you look? Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry. Are, are you going to – and by the way, uh, they say, well, this is for slavery, but also even though San Francisco and California wasn't a slave state or slave city – the repercussions of slavery were put upon these people in more recent years. Are you going to tell me somebody that was born in 1996 in liberal California and liberal San Francisco suffered to the point that they deserve $5 million in reparations? Oh, my goodness. Give me a break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in, Tom, Benny, and Clark, and you. A quick look at your weather forecast for the next couple of days. Tonight, cloudy, a low around 40. Tomorrow, some showers, a 60% chance of showers in the afternoon, a high around 55. Tomorrow night, cloudy skies, a low of 48. Wednesday, you ready for this? Cloudy, but a high of 69. Hmm. So uh, warm weather is back. I am not complaining. You know, here's another one. Uh, we were talking about a number of people that die unexpectedly, oftentimes of heart failure. Uh, C.J. Harris. Now, I'm not a follower of American Idol, but apparently this guy made it uh, pretty far in the 2014 season of American Idol. Uh, he died. Hmm. It reported today. Killed over 31 years old. Wow. Died of a heart nice. attack. Uh, again, I just, there, there's another one for you to uh, consider. Uh, he ended up finishing sixth place from Jasper, Alabama. 31 years old. I mean, I, I, I don't, he didn't look like he was unhealthy. I don't know anything about him, but uh, wow. You, you do seem, seem like um, you hear an awful lot of. Just sudden deaths from young, mainly young people. Young younger people. people, yeah, and uh, athletes and uh, it's, all around. Yeah, it's just kind of strange. Jonathan Turley's column talks about the discovery of a fourth set of classified documents at the Biden residence in Delaware, further undermine the White House mantra that the president takes classified documents very seriously. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> Putting he, ta he takes them seriously. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. He takes them. Seriously. Uh, put aside the repeated movement of highly classified documents over six years, one curious element has emerged in the scandal, the use of private counsel. Now, again, remember, go back to when the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago. Mm -hmm. The Trump lawyers had to leave the premises. We're not allowed to be there. We're not allowed to be there. Yeah. You have to get out. You're not allowed to be here. You have no right to get close to these things. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe's lawyers, now one of them said they, they had the clearance to uh, handle classified. I don't know if it's true or not. But um, Joe's lawyers, not the FBI, are going through and putting their hands on these folders. Now, Jonathan Turley says, okay, some of these folders have, you know, 
highly classified, top secret, uh, written on the outside of the folders, but we have no idea whether they're in there or not. Yeah, some some I've read were put in, um, they were in pers- folders marked personal. And uh, But, you know, I, to me this is very strange that all of a sudden this comes up now. Um, I mean, who, who who found the classified documents? I mean, really, who who found the classified documents, and why why all of a sudden um, did did it happen? And in fact, his his private counsel I can't recall the name, but has a history of of working with Democrats and the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Um, it. it you know, I, I'm starting to believe, yeah, there may be some information that was planted here, but I think it might have been planted by Democrats, or at least they knew it existed, and they and somebody, you know, somebody um, said, hey, Joe Biden's got some classified documents. Let's take them down, you know. But I think it's coming from the Democrats. It, it just, oh, I, I think it's it just hi- seems highly likely to me. I think it's highly likely. Or, or the fact that people like Adam Schiff over the weekend didn't yeah. come yeah. to, immediately didn't come to uh, Biden's aid and then he said, "Well, we got to wait for the facts to come out." But, but uh, you know, when when asked, he was on with um, uh, ABC this week with Jonathan Carl. Um, he uh, Carl asked, "You were on the show just after Attorney General Garland appointed a special counsel in the case of Trump documents. You said it was the right move. Do you feel the same way about the special counsel for Biden?" I do think it's the right move. The attorney general has to make sure that not only is justice evenly applied, <laughs> <you're> right, <laughs> uh, but it, the, the appearances of justice are also satisfactory to the public. And here, I don't think he had any choice but to appoint a special counsel. I think that special counsel will do a proper assessment. Carl then asked if he was concerned about the documents Biden possessed as he was with Trump's. Is it possible national security was jeopardized here as many, including you, raised the possibility with Mar-a-Lago documents? Quote, I don't think we can exclude the possibility without knowing more of the facts, he replied. We have asked for more. We have asked for more of an assessment in the intelligence community of Mar-a-Lago documents. I think we ought to get the same assessment for these documents found in the think tank, that's a joke, as well as the home of the president, uh, I'd like to know what these documents were. Um, it's it's a uh, the the fact that Schiff of all people would would turn on Biden I, it really gives your theory a lot of credence. Well, I, I've got two theories, and, and I think one of them is right. One theory is that the Democrats are seeing this as a way to force Joe Biden to resign. And had their candidate of choice that they think they can take the victory, or it's um, a way to say, okay, well, you know, we're, we're not going to prosecute Biden, so we we kind of got to chill down on Trump. So let's let Trump win, and let's let Biden run against him, and they think that Biden can actually beat Trump again. Uh, I mean, I think it's one of the two two things. You know, to think that they're doing this. <laughs> For the good of the country and for what's needed, that is absolute an absolute joke. The fact that these documents were at the Biden Center, a, a center that was funded fo- like forty the Penn Center, yeah, Penn yeah, Center, yeah. forty some million dollars by the fifty four million Ch- yeah. Chinese Communist government. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean that's not a co- this is all not coincidental. It's, it's, there's no coincidence in politics. Now when when Schiff dis- and by the way for Schiff it could be that he has been totally irrelevant now since Kevin McCarthy uh, has come in and taken him off all these committees 
It could be. I'd put his freaking office in the daggone broom closet. I'd put it in the men's room. <laughs> have his have his seat one of the commodes. Yeah, right next to the. Yeah. Mm, to and, the but, but continue to, the, to but continue to use it as a men's room. Yeah, put him in the porcelain jungle. <laughs> the uh, so. He did offer up this weak defense saying, quote, I think it's important to point out that the Biden approach was very different, comparing it to the Mar-a-Lago, in the sense that it looks, as far as we can tell, that it was inadvertent and these documents were in these, lo- that these documents were in these locations. When they were discovered, they were immediately provided to the archives or to the Justice Department. There was no effort to hold on to them, no effort to conceal them, no effort to obstruct the Justice Department investigation. All of that is very sharp contrast to Donald Trump's handling of the situation. That is a total lie. Yeah. I mean, the idea. Listen, you found them on November the 2nd, Mm -hmm. and it was two months later, more than two months later, that you came forth with them. And, And who found them? They're in his garage. Yeah. You know. Who found them? And of course, in the Biden Center, I mean, I get, I guess they're saying that the first ones was found at the Biden Center, at University of Pennsylvania, or whatever. But well, who found the ones in the garage? <laughs> uh, good question. I mean, by the way, too, the other interesting thing on this now is the Republicans came out and said, "Listen, we need a list off of your records, your visitors' log at your house. Who came in there? We need to know who had access to this, right?" Right. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They don't exist. No visitors' logs. Well, I, don't, I think they're trying to hide the, you know, they hide behind the privacy of the private residence thing. But, uh, but you know, when you spend as much time at that Delaware, but this home, is the guy that takes the documents seriously. Oh now. Yeah, yeah. So you can't say that because he takes things seriously. And an, uh, and he always talks about an unprecedented level of transparency in my presidency. He kept you know talking about that when he was running and all, but. Uh, you know, this day and age, when, and whether it's Donald Trump or George Bush or whoever, whenever they spend so much time at their private residence. I, I mean, 163 days. That's how much time he spent at his private residence. I mean, He's only been in there for two years. Yeah, I, it's kind of hard to say that, well, you know, your, your residency is private, you know. Well, your I job would, is be, be honest with you, I was shocked to find out that that wasn't by law. I, I figured that, you know, there was some mandate in there that you had to do that. You would think so, yeah. Wow. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Lots more to talk about, including uh, it's interesting that Joe wants uh, 87,000 more IRS agents because the uh, first place they might need to check is Joe and Hunter's tax return. Just saying. <laughs> we'll be right back. Back to News and Views, Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Monday's News and Views, 18 minutes, uh, almost 17 minutes before the top of the hour. Breitbart, along with a number of other media outlets, is reporting Hunter Biden recorded monthly rent payments of $49,910 while living at Joe Biden's residence, according to a document unearthed by New York Post Miranda Devine. On the document titled Background Screening Request, it appears Hunter paid $49,910 in monthly rent for one year while living at Joe's Biden, uh, Delaware residence. Um, This is where the same place where uh, the president kept his classified documents alongside his Corvette locked up in his garage. Where he campaigned for the presidency in the basement. Yeah, yeah. 
Hunter listed his rental tendency from uh, March 2017 to February 2018. The document shows the document is signed July 2018. In 2017, Joe left the White House and stored a large number of classified documents inside his Delaware garage. Um, it should be noted that Joe's 2017 tax return on Schedule E only listed $19,800 in rents received. But in 2018, Biden listed no rents received. Uh, this is, uh, again, <laughs> Mr. Transparent. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, had, uh, we, we had a show where we talked about Joe Biden's tax returns back during the election. Right. And talked about the corporations that was funneling so much money to Joe Biden and, and how vague the information was. And in, interesting, I, I, I printed all that stuff out back. This was prior to the election when we did a segment on the show. But interesting, when you go now to try to look up Joe Biden's tax returns and go to his website, it directs you to uh, making a donation to the Democrat Party. <laughs> I mean, it has a link that says the two, like 2018 tax return. When you click on that link, it goes to it takes you to a make a donation. Wow! So, so you know, I, we we were on it before anyone else was, but but I'm telling you, it all this stuff, all this stuff has happened during a time period too, that that coincides with what Tony Bobolinsky said was yeah. going on. Yeah. And and I'm telling the fact that the news media is not saying anything about it, not asking any questions about it. It's just the Biden crime family. I think maybe it's John Solomon or or somebody. Yes, that's John so, Solomon. No, no, no. It no, was uh, uh, Peter. Uh, yeah, Peter Schweitzer. Schweitzer yeah. talks about the Biden crime family, and I mean that's the best way to, to describe it. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. th- they have influence peddled like no one else ever before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they really make Hillary and uh, Bill look like pikers. I mean, <laughs> you know, them bringing out the Lincoln bedroom is, is small potatoes compared to these guys. Yeah, and just like the time period when they talked about, you know, the the Clinton Global global Initiative or whatever, you know, uh, the nonprofit that was, a, you know, was just funneling money from foreign sources. The moment she lost the election, the basically the Clinton Foundation just disappeared. Just yeah. disappeared. All the all the funds dried up. Yeah. So forty nine thousand nine hundred ten dollars a month. I wonder if that included uh, food. Yeah, and the fact that I mean that's an easy way to funnel money to your dad. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I mean it's a big house. I mean it really is a former forty nine thousand a month. Yeah, I mean it's, <laughs> I mean it's a former Dupont house. I don't care forty nine thousand a month. Yeah, it's uh, but it's it's just another. Just, just more smoke that the news media, you know, just ignores. There's a fire there. You just got to dig yep. a little bit, yep. and nobody wants to dig for it. You know, we have uh, laughed and our, our jaws dropped when we heard that um, there was a group out there that wanted to do away with natural gas stoves and ovens mm. in our homes. Uh, kudos to the Washington Free Beacon who have been doing some uh, spade work on this. The green energy group behind a study cited in Consumer Product Safety Commissioner Richard Trumpka, Jr. By the way, I assume this guy's the son of the uh, guy that just died that was the union boss, Trumpka? Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think he's been involved in unions as well. The son has. Yeah. yeah. Um, his, his call to ban gas stoves has partnered with, are you ready for this? 
which you might as well say it's hand in hand with uh, Joe Biden, partnered with the Chinese government to implement an economy wide transformation away from oil and gas. Mm-hmm. Colorado based nonprofit Rocky Mountain Institute, which published the study, attributes 13% of U.S. Ch- childhood asthma cases to gas stove use is hardly staffed by an objective group of scientists. Uh, these are all, uh, first of all, nobody from this group has any credentials related to a scientific study in this matter. But um, they just basically, and in fact, it's just a total leap. Yeah. They, they say that these kids have asthma, and then they say there's 40% of the households use gas stoves. Therefore, it must be the gas stoves that cause it. I mean, it's, it's a total leap. The whole document is like 13 paragraphs. I mean, it's, it, it is a total joke. But the Rocky Mount Institute, um, it, by the way, they're not the first uh, group to uh, encourage the banning of gas stoves. Part of you wonder, okay, is this China's way of selling more electric equipment <laughs> to consumers? But, uh, yeah, the dig down a little deeper. Uh, this paper does not do any research on possible association between residential natural gas use and the risk of childhood asthma. Uh, a guy named Harvey Reich said, told the Free Beacon, it only calculates a percent of childhood asthma that could be attributable to uh, residential natural gas use and risk of childhood asthma. The study also ethically dubious, according to Rich, as it as authors stated they had no conflicts of interest despite the fact of working for climate change, uh, change activist groups. The Rocky Mount Institute board, for example, is filled with executives at green energy corporations with a financial interest in banning the total use of fossil fuels. Also included among those on the board are Wing Ding, I'm not making it up. Mm. The founder and chairman of the Chinese private equity firm board, uh, uh, Broad River Capital. Ding started the firm after serving as chairman of the China International Capital Corporation, a partially state-owned investment bank. Formerly, uh, executives include Chinese leader Xi Jinping's vice president, right-hand man Wang Kishang. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing this name are right. Are these stage names or are these real names? <laughs> <laughs> While the corporation's website highlights its deep participation in China's economic reforms and development and goal, and goal to serve the nation, the Rocky Mountain Institute also sits on the China Clean Transportation Partnership, a Chinese green energy nonprofit whose founding members include China National Development and Reform Commission and Ministry of Transportation. Uh, Senator J.D. Vance who last week called on the Consumer Product Safety Commission to renounce any potential gas stove ban. He also was alarmed by the Institute's ties to Chinese Communist Party. The natural gas industry, Vance said, is critical to our national security, and its demise would be a boost to our adversary. Listen, if the Chinese are going to spend $54 million on Joe Biden's Penn Center, uh, you think they're not funding this to the tune of millions of dollars? For guys like Trumpka, Trumpka and this uh, uh, group, uh, Rocky Mountain Institute, to uh, propagate what they want, what they want to push? Of course it is. Yeah, and, and people that have gas, like, you know, I've got LP gas at home. Well, they can't control me. As long as the 
I can get gas from the LP dealer. I mean, they can't control me. But uh, but if I'm on the electrical grid and completely on the electrical grid, they always have control of it. Trumpka came out, by the way, and said, well, you know, this might be a change down the road. We're not going to do anything right away. The fact that you bring it up at all, the fact that you're tied to the Chinese Communist Party is mind-boggling. But how many institutions, how many universities are taking money from the commies? We'll be right back. to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So up in Virginia, where they're uh, northern Virginia near D.C., Fairfax County, where they're extremely woke, and Glenn Youngkin is doing all he can to unwoke them, the superintendent of schools up there, because she wants equity and she wants she, she doesn't want to give any affirmation to the kids that are really doing well, the kids that could qualify for four years of school because they, they've uh, achieved um, just a level of uh, academic superiority. Um, this individual, because she wants equity, um, she has she has done away with allowing students to know that they are in the top one or two percent, and as a result, they are basically they're being denied the information which would entitle them to get a four-year scholarship for oh, academics at the school, and because the superintendent in Fairfax County. As uh, her goal is what she says is just, I want total equity. As a result, she's harming these kids to the tune of, in some cases, probably a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, worth of scholarships. And, I, and that's straight from Marx's principles. I mean, it really is. It's it's Karl Marx type stuff, um, you know. And it's it's ki- it's kill it's killing our kids it's killing our kids from not wanting to achieve more because right. they want to say everybody should be the same because they might feel bad no. you know what sometimes when you uh, have challenges in life it makes you better yeah just work harder hey we gotta run we'll do it again tomorrow at five see you then bye bye everybody all right all right all right